where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, what a joy it is to be in God's house today, to be with God's people and to worship together this morning. I pray that uh, you've been encouraged by our worship, um, and I pray that you would, your heart's desire this morning would be what we just sang together, that we would want the Holy Spirit in this place, that we we would want God's presence in this building. Because church, I don't know about you, but the more I walk through this thing called life, the more I'm reminded that there's only two things that are going to last. Hear me, church. There's only two things that are going to last. The Word of God, amen? Time out. Like, we, 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 can, we can respond to a lot of things and that kind of thing, and, and I know some of y'all get frustrated because you think I'm trying to make you say amen. I'm not. But amen means you agree, okay? There's two things that are going to last, and if you don't know this, whatever I was going to teach about this morning, I need to stop and start over because the Word of God is going to be one of the things that lasts. Amen? amen? Y'all so good. So good. And then the second is the souls of men. Amen? Amen. Everything else is going to go away. Everything else is going to crumble. Everything else is going to be burned up. But the Word of God and the souls of men. And for the ladies in the house that might be getting a little frustrated to think you're not involved in that, when the Scripture says men, in that context, it means all human beings. And so my prayer this morning is is that I don't need any more media. I don't need any more voices. Man, I personally just need God's presence today. Because if we'll live by the Word of God... And we'll worry about the souls of men and the souls of women. Then everything else will take care of itself. Amen? And so I just want to invite us this morning to lean in to Acts, the gospel on the move. And I want you to see this morning that only God could do what he's done yet again. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are some Bibles at the end of the rows. Um, We have sanitized those, but I understand some of us might be a little freaked out about all that. There also will be words on all three of these screens. But as we draw close to Acts 17, there's a couple of thoughts I want you to understand. First is, there's this thing called the Thessalonica legacy. The Thessalonica legacy. 
Mr. Greg and Deshaun and myself, we got to learn this through a ministry called Downline. And the Thessalonica legacy is, is that Paul and Silas and Timothy were in Thessalonica for three weeks. We'll see that in Scripture this morning. They were there for three Sabbath days, which represents they were there for three weeks. And these men did something in Thessalonica through the power of the Holy Spirit and through God's living word that changed the course, not of just of, of our history, but also our future. And what I love about this text this morning, the first part of it is anyway, is that it reminds us that men and women, we will leave a legacy of something. We will be remembered for something. People will know us for something. I've done this many times with you. I'm not going to do it again this morning. But I could ask you who won the Super Bowl two years ago, and 90% of you in this room could not tell me. I could ask you, some of you, I could ask you who won the World Series last year, and many of you wouldn't know because you don't care. But you who love baseball could tell me. But I could ask you who won it three years ago, and unless it's your team, you have no idea. Of course, the hoppers would point at me and say, I know because that was the Cubs, right? The point that I'm making is, is this, church. We are a forgetful people. Fair? Tomorrow, I will get to celebrate a lady's life, 89 years old. Mama Weeks is what I call her. She was a part of our Bible study at uh, Windshield Magician. Um, I was her paper boy. And what's so beautiful about getting to celebrate her life tomorrow is because she knew Jesus. And so I can share the hope with her family that she's going to live forever. Church, can I tell you something? Six weeks from now, unless you were directly impacted by Miss Weeks, you probably won't remember it. I said six weeks. Her children... Her grandchildren, people that were directly impacted by her, yes, they'll remember her. But the point that I'm making is, guys, my mom's been dead for 12 years. Can I tell you how often people don't ask me about my mom? And I don't say that because I want you to call me this week and ask about my mom. Because we live in a time, church, when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. When it's not right in front of us, we're not thinking about it. And church, all I would... All I would pose this morning is, is what kind of legacy will be yours? What will you be remembered by? Who will remember you? Will they know your name? Besides your family, will you leave an impact? This morning, we will look at a text that will challenge and encourage us to point people to Jesus. And to God's word, because in the end, that is what will last. This morning, we're going to look at the Thessalonica legacy, and we will also see there is only one true God. Let's pray together, will you? Father, I thank you this morning for your truth. I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you this morning that you have us in Acts 17. I believe personally, Lord, because... As followers of Jesus, if ever there has been a time for us to ask the question, what will we be remembered by? God, I believe in this current state, in this current time in history, God, we should be asking ourselves that question. God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are gathered with me today. 
God, I want to pray for our state and our nation and our world. God, I want to pray that, God, that you would be the only banner and the only name and the only purpose that we live for. And God, I pray this morning that your word would teach us, that your word would come alive in us. And God, I pray this morning that you forgive me of any unconfessed sin that I might have in my life. God, I pray that you help me pronounce very hard words. And God, I pray this morning that everything that is said in this place, everything that has been sung in this place, God, I pray that it has brought you glory and honor and praise. Because God, our desire is to please the audience of one, and that is you, King Jesus. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Acts chapter 17, we're going to break it off in a couple of different sections. I'll go ahead and ask you to forgive me. There are some pretty big words in here. I've tried really hard this week to make sure that I've listened to them and make sure that I can say them, but I don't know what it is when you come into the room, no matter how many times I've been able to pronounce it by myself, when people get in front of me, it just kind of goes out the door. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphilostus and Apollonia, see, there it went, they came to Thessalonica, got that one, where there was a synagogue of Jews. And Paul went in, and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of rabbi, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city's authorities were dis 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 disturbed excuse me, when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. I want us to look at these first nine verses this morning intently, and then we'll look at verses 10 through 34 and following. The first thing I want you to see is, is that Paul and Silas, they are on a journey. The gospel is moving. The gospel has now reached Thessalonica. They have gone into the synagogue there where the Jews are. Paul went in, and as was his custom, and I want you to see here in verse 2, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. The first thing I want you to see, can we go back to that, Haley, or did we freeze up? Verse 2. Thank you. And Paul went in and was his, his custom his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. I want to stop right there, and I want you to see something. Many theologians, many Bible commentaries would say that three Sabbaths represents three weeks. Don't most of us start our week out with our Sabbath? 
Don't most of us identify our Sabbath as our day of worship, our day of rest? So for three Sabbath days, it says, Paul went in and was his, his custom on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. I would have you think about this this morning, church. You cannot reason with some people. You cannot debate with some people. You cannot have conversations with some people when it comes to the Scriptures. But don't get it twisted this morning, church. As a follower of Jesus Christ, what should we be reasoning with other than Scripture? What should we be tuned into other than Scripture? What should we be leaning into other than Scripture? Jesus would say that the Word is the bread of life. I've also heard it said, it is a light unto my path. Can I tell you something this morning? There are men that I know in this church that have known Christ or have come to know Christ in the recent weeks and months, and they have opened up God's Word, and they have begun to read God's Word. And can I tell you something, church? The Word of God, hear me, is changing these people. Why? Because that's what the Word does. Stay on track, fish. Stay on track. Isn't it amazing, though, how we will spend our time and our energy reasoning about things that don't matter? Church, can I tell you something? Paul spent three weeks in this town. And I want you to see what happened. Pick up with me in verse 3. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, the Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. You know why this is so important for Paul to, to say this to the Jews? Because the Jews, like many of us, church, if we're not careful, have gotten so caught up with keeping the law that we forget about grace and we don't understand that grace did for us what the law could not do for us. But church... It says, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to what? To suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom, you, whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. You know why that Christ is capitalized there? Because there are no other Christ like him. Why? Because he suffered and died for you and he died for me. I don't know if you know this, church, but I don't care if you like somebody or not, Christ died for them. I don't care if you agree with them or not, Christ died for them. Why? Because Christ is Christ. And you don't get to choose who Christ died for. Let me tell you something else, too. When you say the name of Jesus or you say the name of Christ and you are spitting out poison or garbage or junk in that name, all I can say to you is, I pity the fool. I 
talked to two of my very close friends this week who've been caught in the middle of a major decision in the life of our state. And both of these people shared with me how people who called themselves people of Jesus and people of Christ, who would spit out anger and poison to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And church, can I tell you something? Yes, Christ suffered and died for them too. But if you're spitting out that kind of junk, I would question, do you really know Christ? First John says this, if you have hate in your heart, you are not in the light, you are in the darkness. I love this where it says, explaining and proving that it was necessary. Church, I, I don't know if you know this or not, I think we like the drive-by Jesus witnessing mentality. We'll drive by, throw a track out in somebody's yard and hope while they're mowing it, they might pick it up. We don't like to explain or prove anything. And another problem is we think we have a right to explain and prove when we have no relationship. I don't know what it is about the church, but we have gotten too almost in our own right to say, hey, I have a right to tell you about what I believe. Now, you have a right to build a relationship with that person, and when you, once you have built a relationship with that person, then God gives you the authority to speak that into that person's life, but you don't just get to do a drive-by evangelistic experience and go, hey, I don't know if you know Jesus or not, because the problem is most people are trying to point them to Jesus, and they don't know you. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit tells you to share Christ with somebody in the coffee shop, not to share Christ with somebody in the coffee shop. I've seen tons of people get saved in the coffee shop by just a gospel presentation in the moment. But what I'm saying is, church, is if you look at the statistics, it is so true that it is more normal for someone to know Christ after they have sat with you, they've done life with you, they have walked with you, and they truly know who you are. That's what Paul is doing here. He's not just rolling through there. He's not just hanging out there for a Sunday. He's not just some guest evangelist or some guest preacher. He's been there three weeks, and he is explaining and proving to them what? About Jesus. When's the last time you spent 30 minutes talking to somebody about Jesus? Preacher, that's your job. That's the problem nobody knows about Jesus because y'all waiting on me to tell everybody about Jesus. What will you be remembered for? Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Let me, let me share something with you this morning, church. When you preach Christ, people will follow you. When you preach something else, people ain't got time for that. When you explain Christ, people will lean in and listen to that, and people will be changed because of Christ, not because of you. Look at here, it says, a great many of devout Greeks. That's a big deal, church. Not only are the Jews coming to know Christ, but the Greeks are coming to know Christ. Not only are the men coming to know Christ, but the women are too, and not a few of the leading women. But hear me, church, when you start preaching Christ, get ready for verse 5. But the Jews were jealous. The Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men 
of Rabbah, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, "These men have turned the world upside down, and they have and they have turned the world upside down and have come here also." Church, can I just be honest with you? I hope that when I leave this life. In a little box, big box, whatever. Don't forget, it needs a bumper sticker on it. Return to cinder. But I hear, here's what I want you to hear. I pray that I was known for turning the world upside down in Jesus' name. I pray and hope that I brought such an uproar because of the gospel that that's what I'll be remembered by. Because church, I am convinced this morning that we will all be remembered for something. We will all be remembered for something. Here's what I want you to see. These men have turned the world upside down and have come here also, and Jason had received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disrupted when, or dis, dis, disrupt, disturbed, excuse me, when they heard these things and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. You see what they did? They bribed them. Like we don't understand that there will be, 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 there will be people that try to influence us to stop, to stop us for standing for what we believe to be as true. Church, you know what I've learned as a pastor? And we ain't got time for all that. But you know what I've learned as a pastor at minimum? Preach the truth, follow your heart, and watch how many people will run from you. I'll say it again. Preach the truth, follow your heart, and watch how many people will run from you. You know why I love Christianity? Not because it's a religion. And if you're here today because you're trying to be religious, can I be honest with you? You're going to be disappointed. Because a religion wants a part of your life. Jesus wants all of your life. Religion wants some of your authority. Jesus wants all of your authority. Religion wants one room in your house. Jesus wants your whole house. But the coolest thing about Jesus and the coolest thing about following Christ is, is that it is a personal relationship. Only you know what God is telling you to do. And church, can I tell you something? If you're doing what God tells you to do, the scriptures will back it up. The word will back it up. So check this out. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Church, here's what I want you to ask. I want to ask you. What have you done in the last three weeks that would model the kind of legacy that you want to leave? What have you done the last three Sundays that could be an example of how you want to be remembered. 
Because the Thessalonica legacy is this, that you are worth to God more dead than you are alive. Why? Because Paul and Silas, they were preaching the Word of God. They were reasoning with people. They were proving. They were explaining. Why? Because it wasn't about who Paul was. It was about who Jesus was. And the Thessalonica legacy would be this. That if you spend three weeks in the life of another person's life, if you spend three weeks in someone's life, then there should be some type of impact that you've made in their life. Church, I've had the honor this today, 16 years ago, God called me to Oxford, Mississippi. North Oxford voted me in like 397 to three, and I can tell you who those three people were today. Because those three people are going to vote no about anything. Just in case I was to mess up, they'd be able to say, see, I told y'all something was wrong with that dude. But 16 years, not three Sabbaths, not three weeks, 16 years, I pray that I am more valuable to Lafayette County, Oxford, Mississippi, and Ole Miss dead than I am alive. Because here's the impact. If you are making disciples of Jesus Christ, if you are explaining and proving who Christ is, when you are dead, the legacy of your discipleship of Jesus Christ will continue. And the people that you poured into will then pour into other people who will pour into other people who will pour into other people. And you might be somebody's great, great, great granddaddy of the faith because you led a homeboy to Jesus and he led this guy to Jesus and this guy led this guy to Jesus and this guy led this guy to Jesus and people are going to come up to you for an eternity and go, hey, because you led this person or this woman to Jesus, I know Jesus because of you. That's what Paul is trying to tell the Thessalonians, or the Thessalonians, excuse me. Why? Because we will leave a legacy. Verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away to Berra. And when they arrived, they went in the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness in examining the scriptures, excuse me, um, with all eagerness in examining the scriptures daily to see these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standings as well as men. Verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul, to Burrah, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Just a little side note. People who are against you will not stop. But, oh, church, can I encourage you this morning? Your Jesus won't stop either. Amen. You know, I repeat myself a lot. I wish I could say it's because I'm trying to remind you of something that's really, really important. It might be I'm not smart enough to know anything else, but here's what I've come to the realization. If you keep preaching it, eventually they will get it. You know who my daddy is? 
Let the crowds come. Let the haters hate. Let the opposition rise because my Father, my Savior, my King, your Lord, the angels of heaven will fight that battle for us as long as we are resting on the truth of Jesus Christ. They will not stop coming. Some of you are like, man, I'm glad this part's over. I, I could stop. Well, wait, tomorrow is coming. Verse 13, but when the Jews of Thessalonica learned the word of God was proclaimed, Paul at Burn also, they came there to agitate and stirring up the crowds. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you stirring up in good or are you stirring up in bad? Some of you said I took a shot. No, 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 no. I pulled it back. I knew exactly where I was aiming and I let it go. Verse 14. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who uh, conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas, uh, Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Verse 16. Now will Paul... Or excuse me, now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Mm. I don't know if you know what mm means, but mm usually means when you take a bite, it's good. Or mm means that when you hear something, you're like, that touched a good spot. Or mm means I need to protect myself because that could get me in trouble. Mm, can mean a lot of things. But church, I want to read it again, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Look at verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. What I love about this scripture is, and we can learn a lot about where we are as a state, as a city, as a nation, as a world church. Look at verse 17. So he reasoned. It doesn't say that he fought them. It doesn't say that he argued with them. It doesn't say that he said, my point is more valuable than your point. It says he reasoned with them. And where did he reason with them? He reasoned with them in the synagogues. He reasoned with them in the marketplaces. And check this out. I am convinced this morning that some of us, the only time we talk about Christ is when we're at the church. But if we're going to be the church, we got to be Christ everywhere. Please tell your children I'm not mad. Verse 18. Hmm. Some of the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers, which must mean they were really smart, also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Lord, may I be known as a babbler of Jesus. What does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Church, if you are here today and you might be passing by and you might be seeking, don't, 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 don't miss this. Paul was preaching the true relationship with Jesus was the best antidote for any of your problems. It was not some false religion. It was not some foreign 
um, theology. It was the true theology. It was the true belief system. And it was the system that would change the world. And guess what? It was the same system that turned Thessalonica upside down. It's the same system that's turning the world upside down. Because when you love, when everybody else hates, that cannot be of you because you are pure, pure man or pure woman. But when you love, when everybody else hates, that is Christ loving through you. But they said, he seems to be a preacher. <laughs> Paul wasn't seeming to be a preacher. He was a preacher. May I grow up and be like Paul. Look at verse 19. They took him and brought him in to Areopagus, saying, may we know what the, this new teaching is that you are presenting? And Paul's like, Absolutely. I get to go hang out with the smart people. I get to go hang out with the wealthy people. I get to go hang out with the leaders. I'm glad you asked the question. Put the beach ball on the tee. Pick up the bat. Swing it. Boom. Y'all need to wake up. They took him in brought him. May we know this new teaching is that you are presenting for you are saying um, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now to all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would, spritz, would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Church, what they're saying here is, what Luke is saying here is, is that they had so many idols that if there was something new, they kind of wanted to be new. Like they wanted to be with the new thing. I always love it when I meet somebody that's never met Jesus, and they go, man, this is new. It might be new to you, but it's not new. And guess what? If we are around 10,000 years from now, we won't, but if our descendants, if our grandchildren, if our, you know, line of family is still around here, it will not be new then either. Look at verse 22. So Paul, standing in the mix, midst of Areopagus said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. You know what Paul's pointing out? Man, y'all got idols everywhere. Y'all got buildings. Y'all look religious. Y'all act religious. Man, if that don't scare you, church, it ought to scare you. We got churches on every corner in Oxford, Mississippi. We got idols everywhere around here. But he looks at them and he says... Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown. This I proclaim to you. He says, you want to know something new? All those idols are going to crash. All those gods, all those buildings, all those things that you worship will not stand. But listen closely, men and women of Athens, what I'm about to proclaim to you will last forever. And so church, I want to ask you a question. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? What kind of impact are you going to make? What kind of difference are you going to be remembered for? Paul says, y'all seem religious. Religious will lead you to hell, church. Jesus will lead you to the promised land. 
Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all to mankind life and breath and everything. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art or imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And at this, he has has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from there in, in their midst, but some men joined him and believed, and among whom also were Dionysus, the guy, a hard word, and the woman named Damaris and others with them. Church, here's what I want to point out. Here's what I want you to get. If you miss it all, don't miss this. You will leave a mark. You will leave a legacy. You will be remembered for something. And church, I am concerned that we are getting so caught up in earthly things when we need to be aiming for something far greater. Hear me, church. The cross of Jesus Christ is under attack. The name of Jesus is under attack. Same way it was in those days, same way as it will be today, the same way it will be a hundred years from now, Jesus doesn't come back. Please, Lord Jesus, come back. But it's under attack. Why? Because we say there is but one way to heaven, the only way to heaven through Jesus Christ. Church, we're not that far from Athens. We hold this building as a sacred place because this is where we worship. It will crumble. We hold the people who lead here in a high position. We are mere sinners just like you. But don't miss it. Some will question what we are teaching, but the Holy Spirit will draw those to us and to Himself that He desires to get it. And we might have to go back a second time or a third time or a fourth time or a fifth time to reason to explain, to discuss these matters. But church, somebody did it for you. We ought to be willing to do it for somebody else. So here's what I want you to think about. I want you to bow, and we're done. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Is your 
heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, what they were pointing out, church, was this. They were, they were turning the world upside down because they were given a new way of thinking. They were given a new way of believing. And people who were so caught up in their ways of thinking or their ways of believing, they go, no, 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 there's no way this is okay. God, there is, church, there is but one truth. And that truth is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been stoned. Paul had been beaten. He had been locked up. But what did he do, church? He kept going and going and going. Why? Because of the truth. Father God, I beg you this morning that the truth, the truth, Father, would cause us to run to you. The truth would cause us to run to those around us who don't know you, don't understand you, don't get you. God, I pray this morning that the truth of Jesus Christ would be that which we would run after. And God, that legacy, that name, that banner is what we would be known for. God, I pray this morning if there's someone that doesn't know that truth, that today would be the day of salvation. God, I pray for those in this room that are being attacked for standing up for truth. God, I pray that you wrap their, your arms around them today and let them know you love them. Let them know you hadn't forgotten about them. Let them know, God, that you are with them. God, for those in this room that, God, have been spitting lies, but they're calling it truth, God, I pray you convince them and convict them this morning that you cannot love me and hate your brother. God, may you draw them close to you this morning. And God, we pray in Jesus' name that you bring peace, peace that will only be found in a relationship with you. We pray that for our city, our county, our campus, our state, our nation, and our world. Because we want to be remembered for a legacy that proclaim Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. And until then, God bless.